Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Good day, bed crimers. Hope the day is going really well for you. To anyone new here, welcome. Thanks for checking the channel out. We do all things true crime, and my specialty is cutting through the fluff to get to the heart of the information. If after watching or listening to this video, you find you enjoyed it or learned something, please hit that like button and please consider subscribing. Without further ado, let's get started. Today, I want to talk about a 30-year-old guy named Inan Arnaud Harsh, who suddenly showed up publicly about five days ago, on the figurative scene of the crime in the case of the four slain University of Idaho students, Kaylee Gonsalves, Maddie Mogan, Zana Kernadel, and Ethan Chapin. So why do I want to talk about Inan Harsh in relationship to this case? There are so many reasons. Where do I begin? First, Inan Harsh, who is originally from Pullman, Washington, lives in that yellow and brick apartment complex right next door to the girls' off-campus rental house at 1122 King Street in Moscow, Idaho. And it would seem that he lives in an apartment on the side of that complex that offers him a view to the victim's three-story house. Harsh turned up in this story after being quoted in an article in the December 9th issue of the Idaho Statesman newspaper. And there he said that he'd seen a black luxury SUV in front of the girl's home early on Sunday, November 13th, 2022, around 1.30 a.m. when he got home from his job as a cook. And then later, he reported hearing a scream coming from the victim's rental house at around 4 a.m. That was the day of the crime, which we've been told went down between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m., so Harsh was home before the crime occurred, and he also places himself in the vicinity of the home around 4 a.m. when he says he heard the scream. So that's the hour when the assailant is believed to have finished the dark deed and left the scene of the crime. By the way, Anon Harsh has written an autobiography that he posted to Reddit so that anyone curious about him can read more about who he is, his background, his beliefs, his interactions with the victims, and more. So I'm not outing him in any way. I'm merely sharing what he's already shared. Harsh told that same newspaper, The Idaho Statesman, that once over the summer after noticing and hearing his female neighbors having a party, he decided to wander over to it, where he believes he spoke to victims Kaylee Gonsalves, Zana Kernadel, and Ethan Chapin. Harsh has also recently posted that autobiography to Reddit under the moniker I Data When You Sleep because he felt people would be curious about him after seeing the article in the Idaho Statesman. If you want to know more about Anon Harsh, I recommend reading this autobiography. By the way, I think that moniker I data when you sleep may be a reference to him trading in cryptocurrency. In that tome, 
He talks about seeing his female neighbors at 1122 King Street out in the yard one day and deciding to take them a half a bottle of a particularly nice wine that he used in his cooking and that he wasn't planning to drink. He explains that he thought the girls would appreciate the wine and he also looked at it as an opportunity to meet the students. I'm not sure how well received the half bottle of wine was. If I were those girls and some guy from the apartment complex next door showed up with a half a bottle of wine, I might be wary of drinking it. Of course, I work in true crime, so I'm a tad paranoid. But I guess it would depend on the vibe the guy was giving off. If the girls thought he might have been handsome or cute, I don't know. But the girls might have also been grossed out by a half bottle of wine, not knowing if this neighbor that they haven't met before put his lips to it, or if they might have been worried that he could have slipped some drug into it. We're all taught to watch our drinks in bars and not leave them unattended for any period of time. So a half-empty bottle of wine might be looked upon with some suspicion. Bottom line, Anand Harsh is a guy who lives in the neighborhood, knows the neighborhood, knows the town of Moscow, knows the girl's home and property, and has admitted to meeting and talking to three of the four victims. You could say that Inan Harsh had eyes and ears on the girl's home simply by virtue of where he lives. Note that Harsh worked as a line cook. He mentions being concerned that he'd cut himself at work after crying all day upon learning of the students' tragic deaths. This would indicate he really did care for those kids, that he was deeply upset when they lost their lives to this senseless crime, and that he works with sharp-edged objects. Note that Harsh showed off a new culinary sharp-edged object two months before the crime. On Reddit, Harsh also mentions trying to learn how to juggle sharp-edged objects when he was around 12. By virtue of living in that apartment complex, Harsh also had access to that rather quiet parking lot behind the complex. That's the parking lot that had no security lights back on November 13th. It's also the parking lot that parallels the girls' home and backyard, and that is adjacent to the tree line on the hill in the girls' backyard. At least one retired detective on YouTube Chris McDonough of The Interview Room, who's also the guy who found that uh, black glove within the crime scene area on Thanksgiving when he went there to check out the property. He said that the tree line on that hill at the back of the girl's off-campus house would be the perfect place for a peeping Tom. There, someone could hide behind those trees and enjoy a view straight into the girl's kitchen and back windows. Kaylee Gonsalves' bedroom was the one on the third floor with the back balcony. I'm not saying that Anand Harsh committed this crime, by the way. I just think our understanding of this case would not be complete without a profile of him. He lives next door 
and he's a very interesting person. Back to the scream on the morning of the crime. Harsh said that he got home from work at approximately 1.30 a.m. that Sunday, and that it was unusually quiet in the neighborhood and at the girl's house. He said that he went through his normal wind-down routine after getting home late from work, feeding his cat, drinking some tea while playing video games on his PlayStation, and practicing his hobby of stick juggling. Then he went to bed at what he estimates was around 4 a.m. And yes, Anon Harsh likes animals. Harsh went on to say that while he can't be certain, as he dozed off early that morning, he thinks he heard a scream from the vicinity of the girl's home. But he said it didn't arouse much of his attention because he thought of it more as a party sound, which wasn't out of the ordinary for the time or the setting. He wrote, I didn't think anything of it. After what happened, I've definitely had second thoughts. Maybe it was not a party sound. I'm not sure what good it does for them now. So, he did not previously tell the police about that detail. It only occurred to him later. After an initial conversation with a police officer that Sunday, Harsh said he already went back to the investigators at the home to report a black luxury SUV that he hadn't seen in the neighborhood before, parked a few spaces from the front of the home when he made it back early that morning around 1.30 a.m. Hearing about this 4 a.m. scream at three and a half weeks out post the crime shocked a lot of us, including probably the police. Harsh's 4 a.m. hour for the scream falls right into the timeline that the police have shared with us. The cops have said that they believe the crime occurred between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. Harsh hearing a scream at 4 a.m. is, therefore, very significant. By the way, Harsh did not insert himself into this case per se, because he only met the reporter from the Idaho Statesman, when he was taking the trash out from his apartment. The reporter was out looking for neighbors to interview, and voila, Harsh appeared. Harsh said that because this reporter seemed to know a lot about the crime and seemed to have information about it, he, Anand Harsh, wanted to talk to the reporter. So was Harsh mining for inside information on the case that day? Did he think the reporter might know some things that he didn't. Maybe. But truthfully, if I lived right next door, I would have been trying to find out all I could as well. Who wouldn't? Those neighbors were and still are fearful. I'm sure they would want to know all that they can in an effort to try and protect themselves. But note that by saying he got home at 1.30 a.m. on that Sunday and heard the scream at 4 a.m., Harsh made it clear that he was in the vicinity of the girl's house prior to the crime and right after it. Is that a big deal? Maybe not. I'm thinking that a lot of the neighbors were probably home between 1.30 and 4 a.m. that Sunday. I do feel, however, that it's odd that Harsh is only now mentioning this scream. Back on November 15th, two days after the crime, Harsh made a Facebook post in which he discussed the shocking crime. He wrote, and I quote, Four killed in stabbing across street. No screams, no evidence, no trace. End quote. 
So back then, Harsh was saying he heard no screams. Only now is he changing the story. Why is that? Did he reflect back on the early Sunday morning and then remember hearing a sound and think, wait a minute, maybe that sound I heard was a scream? Harsh explained this discrepancy by saying that initially he chalked the sound he heard up to something coming from a party, which would make sense because we know the girl's house was known as a party house, and there are a lot of other students living in that neighborhood and on that same cul-de-sac as well. So if it was a party sound, perhaps it did not stand out as being worthy of something to tell the police. But later, after learning about the crime and ruminating on it for about three and a half weeks, it sounds like it then dawned on him that maybe what he heard was a scream, and it seemed to be coming from the slain student's rental house. On a side note, Harsh's Facebook banner is from a porn flick. It's a 2005 American porn action-adventure film called Pirates XXX. That may be nothing, but it certainly ups the creep factor. Harsh also has a photo on his Facebook of a wall in his apartment where he has a picture of two naked women making out. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's something. In his Reddit autobiography, Harsh calls himself Chef Dizzy, and he talks about his beliefs and lifestyle. He also talks about his female neighbors. He mentions meeting them that one time when he took that half bottle of wine over, and he writes, Although it was a short visit, I remember how beautiful, friendly, kind, and joyful they were. I remember going inside and having an inspired, long, and sick flow before stretching and drilling. Kaylee were the neighbors you wanted on Greek Row. Partying is expected. To imagine someone wanting to hurt them is beyond belief and so sick. End quote. I'm assuming he means going inside of his apartment, not their rental home, and doing his stretching and drilling there. But the way it's written, you could take that sentence to mean he went inside the girl's house and stretched and drilled. Harsh also talks about crying after seeing the victim's faces on a poster after the crime. He writes, and I quote, I was listening to Fallen Soldiers by Cormega and started thinking not only of the recent murders, but all the friends I lost and continued crying for hours. I went to work three hours later, tears still pouring from my face, trying to stay calm for my work duties. I could barely talk, and our grill cook could tell something was up, but I didn't know how to verbalize the feeling of losing a friend almost every other year, a feeling where you can't focus on anything but the suffering of losing a loved one, the energy burning in you like a fire causing cuts. I'm mainly a prep cook. To be lightning speed but sloppy, I remember almost cutting myself, using the anger, sadness, and other emotions to propel my movements, remembering the kindness of those now gone, and in this case, who had such a bright, happy, and free future, Kaylee, Zana, and her boyfriend. Those are the only three I remember, 
but I know all are amazing, were real human beings. To lose them is such an incredulous loss. I hope the family members find comfort in grief and heal fully with time, positive prayers and thoughts, and encourage them to try and spend their time on whatever activity brings them joy and or comfort, and from my hippie roots, to try and spend time with nature as it heals all wounds, end quote. Note that Harsh does have a criminal history, which he shared in that autobiography on Reddit. Twelve years ago, Harsh was charged with second-degree robbery with a stolen firearm, felony possession of mushrooms, MDMA, otherwise known as ecstasy, and opiates. He says that all the charges were later dropped, and he went to prison for possession with intent to deliver MDMA. He's openly admitting to his troubled past, which I give him props for. He also explains in length how the crime went down. I'm not going to go through all of that. If you want to know, go to his Reddit post and read it. He also states in his autobiography that he doesn't normally support the police. However, he said he supports the investigators working on this case. Harsh states that he believes all drugs should be legal so that there is a safer and fairer space when it comes to substances, and he shared that it was in prison that he learned how to shoot up, but also how to be humble and grateful. He later went back to prison for a year for selling molly. Molly is another word for ecstasy. When he got out of prison, Harsh said he spent a lot of time driving and on desolate roads. He also said he is comfortable driving fast. At some point, he got into Bikram yoga. He later describes seeing someone OD. He got into doing something called contact staff, which I think is also called stick juggling. He talks about getting his own sticks and drilling with them. That sounds like a physical activity that requires some degree of athleticism and perhaps a regimented practice if you want to be good. Harsh also talks about being a social outcast when he was growing up. Then Harsh goes back to the night of the crime at 1122 King Street. He says he got home late because he talked to a co-worker after work. He made himself some tea, did some drills, I guess with those sticks he talks about, played a game of LOL. He writes, I went to bed and heard nothing out of the ordinary. When the cop knocked on my door next day and asked if I heard anything, I was like, no, nothing unusual. I didn't know there was a murder, so small details like a faint scream in the distance, one of my neighbors getting home, closing their car door, closing their front door, etc., were not on my mind. I noticed I was quoted as, heard screaming. This is not true. I heard a scream, faint and party-like, to my half-asleep eyes. To be clear, there's probably at least five screams every Saturday, even on dead nights. You'll probably hear at least someone making loud sounds at some point. Small detail, but in this situation, I think screaming and a scream 
are very different, and small details matter like this with all the internet sleuths and conspirators around, end quote. Criminal profilers have said that the perpetrator of this crime is likely between 20 and 30 years old. Inan Harsh is 30. They also said the perpetrator likely lives in the area, perhaps near the girl's home, and likely has been to their home. Anon Harsh lives right next door, and he has been to the home, and he said he met three of the victims. Criminal profilers mentioned the perp being someone perhaps a little socially awkward, someone wanting to belong, but not quite fitting the bill. Harsh himself said that he was at one time a social outcast. A sharp-edged object was used in the crime. Harsh works as a cook and talks about using those items. The perpetrator needed both strength and endurance. Harsh does these stick drills and yoga. Murphy, Kaylee's dog, was left unharmed. Harsh has a cat and seems to love animals. And what about those porn photos? Do they say something about how Harsh views women? I don't know, but they're worth mentioning. Does Inan Harsh seem like an odd duck? Yes. Did he have access to the student's house? Well, he lived next door. Did he know the key codes to the bedrooms and the front door? I don't know. Did he have motive? Hard to say. He talks in glowing terms of his lovely neighbors. Did he maybe want to date any of them? Did he maybe get rejected? We don't know. Am I saying he's involved in this crime? Absolutely not. Does he seem like a social outcast type who might feel rejected by pretty girls next door? I have to say, yeah, a little. Did I out and on harsh? No. He agreed to be interviewed for the Idaho Statesman newspaper, and he wrote that autobiography on Reddit all by himself. I'd say he outed himself, and he seems to like the limelight. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Hey, do me a favor. If you learned something, if you enjoyed that, smash that like button, leave me a comment. Hey, and subscribe if you're not yet subscribed.